Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Local voices, local conversations. Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com as we are still recovering, I suppose, at least psychologically, from the dramatic number of events that took place in our community last week, events that involve law enforcement in some very profound and special ways. We're going to continue talking a little bit about it today as I'm joined by Napa Police Chief Steve Potter, who's been kind enough to come in and join us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. Chief, thanks so much for being here. Jeff, thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Uh, this is You've been on the job a short time. It's a heck of a way to start the job. The one thing I was thinking, uh, knowing you were coming here today, I was remembering when Chief Melton became chief that it was shortly after his tenure started, I mean literally a couple of months after, that the double homicide over uh, off of Imola happened. Yeah, and he, it was like, oh, this is a heck of a way to start. You've had a heck of a way to start. He started uh, August 30th. And we had the double homicide over there on Dorset Street on November 1st. So it was quite a start for him. And, and you've had a heck of a beginning. Yeah, it was quiet for a couple months. And then we had uh, some rather tragic events that have happened. And uh, we're just hoping that we're, we're on the uh, mend from that and that community settles back down and we all get back to our normal lives. One of the things that I think people don't think about enough is that while the community is impacted by all of this, and it, it, it's horrible to read about this every day, and I mean, it has a cumulative impact in the community, that it also takes its toll and has a cumulative impact on law enforcement. That law enforcement is not immune from, from feeling about this and reacting to all of this. That's it's correct. It's, the incidents themselves for the individuals naturally have an impact but there's a ripple out effect that affects their families and their extended families the same thing happens in law enforcement when you have prolonged exposure to these situations or you have acute situations that come up it creates stressors in the officers lives which which ripples out to the family and it ripples out through the department as well so we were very fortunate that we had the community support through the week that we had with this and we put out a Facebook message thanking people for all their car calls, their cards, their letters, their emails. We had a tremendous amount of support. And I, I just can't thank this community. It's such a giving community that really helped our officers to recover quickly from this. Have you ever seen anything similar? I mean, you've been here a long time. I mean, and in the department a long time. Anything even similar to this, to the, the cumulative nature of events or that we had in one week, one, one five-day period? I, I honestly cannot remember this much activity of this nature in such a short amount of time. And I've been, I started with the Napa Sheriff's Department as a deputy in 1981, went to the police department in 87, and I just don't, at either place, I don't remember this amount of this type of activity. It was a, a pretty unique set of circumstances indeed. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, I look at it as about six or seven years worth of activity compressed into about a five-day period. Right. Talk a little bit about, I mean, to the extent that you can, about what happened with respect to Alta Heights and at least set the stage in terms of what's been reported, what was going on, who, not in terms of names necessarily, but the part of the police department that was involved, the special crimes unit, what that's all about, et cetera. Just, okay. just the, the frame of it all. So, and, and I will apologize in advance, but because the, the case is being investigated independently by the sheriff's department, there's a lot of information that I don't sure. have. Sure, totally understand. And, and 
to say that if I did have all that information, it would take away from that impartial impartiality. Sure. So what uh, the group that was out there is our special enforcement unit, and they do gang enforcement as well as quality of life investigations. So it's a, it's a two-part job. They're really to, out there to improve the quality of life in neighborhoods or apartment complexes. They also monitor our gang activity, and, and they've been very successful, have you no, as you've noticed. Right. The gang activity in Napa is at a real low right now. We don't see a lot of activity going on. That's because they do a lot of probation searches. They monitor folks. They do a lot of contact, and they let them know that somebody is keeping an eye on them. So they had information on this house that the subject had a history that was gang, that he was affecting the neighborhood, and that he was uh, selling narcotics. They obtained a search warrant signed by a judge. They had looked at the, the situation, their children in the house. So we really didn't want to enter the house with a SWAT team. So the plan was to wait until he came out of the house and then stop him, which they had done about a month before that when they had arrested him, and that worked out well. Nobody got hurt. So they were parked around the corner preparing to serve the uh, warrant, and the subject drove by him on the motorcycle, and then the rest is as it's been reported. If there was, uh, He took off. He crashed. He uh, went for the gun, and so, and that's about, unfortunately, about as much as I can say. Sure. The subject, in, in this case, had been arrested before, had a, had a history with law enforcement with, with some of these issues. Qu- quite an extensive history, yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't have all the details of that, but it is an extensive uh, history. And But at the same time, we always look at it, it's anytime somebody's life ends before their time, it's, it's a tragic event. It has a ripple-out effect to the family members. Um, has a ripple out effect within our department into the officers who who are put in that position. So um, it's just it's too bad that it happened, and I wish he would have made other choices. One of the other aspects of it, I think, that surprised some people, at least in in some conversations that I had, is that these kinds of things go on, and it's not all that unusual. And you can speak to that in residential neighborhoods in places that you might not think that there are people living with with drugs with ammunition with guns etc yeah there especially in a neighborhood like that i actually grew up in that neighborhood through i think it was in between seventh and eighth grade my parents moved us down to the center of town but uh, i grew up on the other side of Alta, alta heights elementary school i had friends right there in that neighborhood that i had grown up with very familiar with it. My grandma lived down the street there. It is an incredibly quiet, very nice neighborhood that you would never expect this type of activity. Right. However, the neighbors had seen it. The neighbors had recognized that there was a problem, and some of them had gotten in touch with us and told them that there was an issue at that residence. Talk about that, the role that, in, in this case, but also in, in other situations around town, the role that community plays, in community neighborhood watch and community groups in in really providing information and being helpful to law enforcement in these kinds of situations it, it's absolutely critical we can't do our job without the public being involved and really to have them involved we need to have the community's trust it's a lot of what we're working toward to to maintain and we're actually looking to enhance that because we've had some situations that that didn't play out as well as we would like them to have so we're, we're doing everything that we can to have people let us know more about what's going on we started our neighborhood meetings as part of our neighborhood-based policing initiative 
that's a philosophical change within the department, and it's really uh, reducing our policing services down to smaller identified neighborhoods. Because as we know, the Browns Valley neighborhood is entirely different than the Imola neighborhood, which is totally different than Coventry Manor, which is totally different than Old Town. So when you think about applying the same policing technique in each of those neighborhoods, you set yourself up for failure. We don't want to do that. We're really looking to build the trust, have people tell us what's going on, customize our service, address those quality of life and those criminal activities, and uh, raise that quality of life that, that Napa is already famous for. Talk a little bit about those community meetings and, and really the process of getting people out in the abstract. At Alta Heights, I know, because I live there, there was, there was a series of meetings, I guess maybe six months ago or maybe longer time goes by so quickly, but it's because there were a number of robberies that had taken place in the neighborhood. So everybody was very interested in attending a meeting that took place at the school. But in neighborhoods where there isn't a, a clear and present problem, the process of, of really encouraging people to come out and participate in this process. The, what we find is when there's a problem, we get a lot of people to show up. Right. Like you say, the Alta Heights area, there are a lot of residential burglaries. We're standing room place. only at that meeting. Yeah. And, uh, which is always good to see. And we would like to see that when there's not a problem also because that, that is really how we – learn what's going on. We learn how to, to address the needs of that neighborhood because they're not all criminal needs. Uh, we've had meetings before where we've only had three of the community members show up. So we've expanded what we bring to those meetings. We bring uh, our public works department. We bring our code enforcement officer. We bring different people because we find that we can address the criminal needs. We can address quality of life issues. But a lot of those quality of life issues deal with traffic complaints and traffic engineering and chickens in the backyard or barking dogs and just a lot of areas that right. aren't our expertise. So, uh, And then what we found, too, is after we had about five or six of the meetings and we started to really uh, learn how to interact better with the public because uh, w we tend to have one style that we think works, and, 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 and as we see nationwide, that doesn't always work. So we have elected officials that show up at those meetings also. Hmm. We're very thankful to have them there, and they're able to listen to what, what's said uh, as well as address some of the concerns, and I think that you'll see more of that as time goes on too. You set yourself up by saying how long uh, you've been in the department <laughs> and how long you've lived here. Talk a little bit about how you've seen the community change, particularly as it relates to policing, how police have had to really – respond to, to the changing face of Napa? So, uh, yeah, born and raised here and spent my entire life here. Went to Alta Heights Elementary School, Silverado Middle School, Napa High, and then out here to Napa College and uh, got involved at the age of 22, got hired full-time at the Sheriff's Department. I had actually spent a couple years as a volunteer reserve deputy prior to that. So, Napa was a much smaller town in a different place back then, and we actually had a conversation this morning with somebody about what Napa was even 15 years ago when the tourists would drive by on Highway 29 right. and bypass Napa. And now what you see is a lot more people going into downtown. You have a nightlife down there that we haven't experienced before. Uh, you have a lot of other uh, concerns and uh, issues that have come up. We did a survey about a year and a half ago for the police department. What we found out was that the major areas of concerns were sidewalks, 
barking dogs and traffic issues. Crime wasn't an issue there for us. And this was leading into our neighborhood based policing model. So we learned that what, what NAPANs really expect is a high quality of life. They expect a high customer service from their police department, from their city uh, employees. So our goal is, is to, to help them get that service that they expect. It's uh, when I started, we didn't have gang issues. In the 90s, we had significant gang issues that, that ebbs and flows right. and right. it's up and down. Uh, there are other uh, areas that come up. Domestic violence is a huge issue, but we don't see the level of violence that we've seen in the past, but we still see too much domestic violence. Uh, drugs are also a problem. I was going to say, what role do drugs play, particularly methamphetamine? Yeah, methamphetamine is, a, is, I would say, a serious problem. And with the passage of Prop 47 recently and creating misdemeanors out of what used to be felony crimes, we've actually had some of the addicts in Napa tell us that they're not happy with the passage of that, that Prop 47 because they used to get plugged into a program and they would spend a couple months where they would detox hmm. and they would get healthy again. And then they would go back out and, and work their way back into it. But that now there's really no break because it's a misdemeanor. There is not a hammer held over their head to plug into a program, which I'm hoping that at some point we can, uh, there, there will be some programs in place that, that people are uh, directed to. Right. To get them the help that they need. I mean, the bigger problem, and I mean, it's a whole conversation perhaps for another day, and we could involve others in it, is that law enforcement has become the the first line of defense as far as mental health is concerned. That I mean, is, that's really become a big part of law enforcement that was never intended to be. That that is a, an absolute huge issue across the the state and as well as across the, the nation. The mental health systems that are in place have struggles, uh, dollars and cents. Uh, as well as the ability to serve and what the the clients' uh, rights involved, uh, which are all good things, but there are times when people fall through the cracks. We just saw it in San Jose last night. Uh, people thro- fall through the cracks. Bad things happen. Uh, neighbors call because they want us to come out and address behavioral issues that they're observing, and we go out, and, and a lot of times we don't know that the people – that we're going to deal with have mental health issues. We see a behavior that's taking place and we try to address that behavior. So we are putting all of our people through a crisis intervention training, all of our field units. They'll receive that training by the end of the year. And we're hoping that, and we're also looking at putting our dispatchers through a course so that we're much better prepared to deal with mental health issues as they get reported to us or as we discover them when we respond to other calls for service. It's also a different situation as far as nightlife is concerned. I mean, you go back, I mean, even, you know, in my time, you go back, what, 16, 17 years, there were a couple of bars in town and a couple of places, one over in River Park and a few others, you know, and the same people would you'd get calls for service for the same people over and over again. It was a very different situation than the nightlife today downtown. Yeah, it, much different. We used to joke about how at 5 o'clock in the evening, 5.30, they'd roll up the sidewalks downtown, turn off the lights, mm-hmm. and everybody went home. It's not that way anymore. So a lot more activity down there. And what, what more pressure does that put on, on the department in terms of, of really having to keep an eye downtown and, and be there for whatever's needed? 
well, with, with a lot of visitors around and, and a lot more to come. There's, we're fortunate that, and we proposed two new police officers being added to the budget for the next fiscal mm-hmm. year. And at this point, it appears that we're going to get those. There has been, there's, looks like council is very supportive. And I say it looks like it because I don't want to commit sure. to it before they commit to it. But uh, very supportive of that. That will allow us to address the issues in the downtown area as well as the north end of Old Town, where we have uh, some behaviors that take place right. around the Triangle Park and uh, the, the uh, Salvation Army area and the Hope Center. So uh, we think that it'll, it will better service the downtown. It'll also free up the officer who is assigned to that beat to be able to spend more time uh, throughout the entire beat instead of just that small geographic area. And finally, has there been a, an impact on morale as a result of, of the incidents last week and just uh, all that's gone on? We, we had some very tired employees. Uh, we're fortunate that we work closely with the Sheriff's Department, and we have a major crimes task force that also has members of St. Helena Police Department, Calistoga Police Department, the DA's office, and the Highway Patrol included in it. So we kind of spread the, the work out. But when you have that many incidents in such a short period of time, it really drains people. And we're, we try our best to, to check in with them, make sure that they're okay. The Sheriff's Department, in this case, put on a critical incident stress debrief where the folks who responded to the Yauntville incident were able to go in and, and get some, some uh, counseling as to how to deal with the stress that's created by those incidents. And you, you had some guys that responded in Yauntville as well. Yes, as well as the dispatchers who answered the calls. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, my goal is always to make sure that our employees, after a 30- or 35-year career, are healthy, happy, productive members of the community. And so we do whatever we can to help them uh, maintain the, the physical and mental health that they need to be able to get there. Is that harder or easier to do today? Um, I believe that it's easier to do with the new generation that's in the workplace. It's still pretty difficult, though, as far as you have a certain degree of uh, – of, uh, I'll call it machismo, in, involved in this, this line of work. So asking somebody to go uh, seek help, mm-hmm. is how they look at it, right. is not always an easy thing to do. But I, I will say that I think that they all recognize the importance of that uh, their mental health, and th- they all participate. Napa Police Chief Steve Potter, thank you so much for coming in. Jeff, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.